And you are listening to WMNF 88.5 FM Tampa. WMNF Tampa. Maybe side and outside, but the motion breaks the tide. Rest my head on your lap, feeling full, leave it for From the bed to the floor, who is knocking at the door? When we are close, I can't help but feel it. promo isn't working, so I'll come back to it. Good afternoon. My name is Joellen Schilke. You are listening to WMNF Tampa. This show is called Art in Your Ear. I already told my name. You may not know, or you might know, that I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the most. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want more information about the Bill McKibben speech, you can always write our newsroom or our news director, Sean, S-E-A-N, at WMNF.org. On today's show, we have such a good show for you planned. Um, Last night, I went to see The Dutchman at American Stage Theater, and we have the uh, lead actors calling in today, and in studio, we are going to have uh, Erica Sutherland and Patrick Arthur Jackson, the uh, director and production and uh, assistant director, in here to talk about 
to talk about this amazing play. So stay tuned for that. There's other things I also want to let you know going on. So uh, here, let's, I'm going to try this again. We do this poetry of the month thing, and we have a new one by the wonderful Gianna Russo. So, uh, so I'm going to try to find that and play that for you so we can have some poetry also. But we're going to get back into the music really quickly. I do want to let you know that support for WMNF comes from uh, listeners like you and the 2022 Tampa Fringe. It's a festival running July 28th through August 7th in Ybor. It's a chance to binge on the performing arts. All shows are an hour or less with theater, burlesque, comedy, storytelling, opera, improv, kids' shows, and more. Info at tampafringe.org.
Parquet courts because I have I have something even better than parquet courts in the house. Um, I, thank you so much for tuning in to Art in Your Ear today. Uh, with me, I have some of the people very responsible for the Dutchman or du- is it Dutchman or the Dutchman? It's interchangeable. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> responsible for Dutchman at American Stage Theater, and I just want to make sure, uh, Shannon, can you hear us? Yes, I can. All right, perfect. And then we are just waiting, and hopefully. Oh, I think we've got one more coming in. So um, would, uh, would you, uh, Erica, and then Patrick, introduce yourselves to the listeners? And I'm going to answer the phone and see if it's our other actor. Sure. Um, hey, everyone. My name is Erica Sutherland. I am the director of Dutchman at American Stage. Hello, everyone. My name is Patrick Arthur Jackson. I was the associate director for Dutchman at American Stage, and I also am uh, an associate artistic producer at American Stage. Excited to be on the show today. Well, I just lost Shannon. <laughs> I just lost Shannon. <laughs> Sorry, Shannon. <laughs> but on the phone with us, we also have Clay, the actor who plays Clay. And Clay, I'm going to, uh, even though I just got a tutorial on how to pronounce your name, I'm going to um, be horrible about it. Is it Adebowale? Nope, I said that wrong. That was good. Okay. Good. Give us the whole name. Adebowale Adebi. And then this is the first time you're here at American Stage? Yes, uh, I'm here in Petersburg at American Stage, and I'm loving it. Good. You should. You definitely should. Wonderful. Well, we have, uh, we have uh, the show Dutchman is, was written uh, in the early 60s. By Amira Baraka, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's this powerful, powerful, powerful show that uh, that starts off with sort of this um, very kind of like teasing summer. Is this a word flirt, and then turns a little bit dark, and then really just keeps going that. So I want to sort of ask, just start with the question: like, how come this show? Why is this show the right show for right now? 
I think the show is the right show for right now because it's very, very shocking and in your face, but it comes with high specificity. You know, like nothing about it is general to me. Um, the show, I feel like if, if people are willing to, to go to that level, it's going to force you to think about some things that aren't talked about enough in the current American climate, social climate. So that's why I think the show is very necessary today and why it works today. It'll work in the next 10 years, next 20 years, 30 years for a while until we, until we start to be less afraid to talk about these, these issues of tension in America. I I think everybody in the audience last night was like, boy, I really hope that this play is unnecessary <laughs> sooner than later. So, Erica, were you were you part of choosing this show for the season? Um, no, I was not. Um, actually, this show. So, you know, as a director, you don't always get to choose exactly what show you are going to work on. They offer it to you, and then you can say yay or nay. So, I was offered this show um, in April. Had you uh, had you read it in a long time? I'm very familiar with the show uh, back in college. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, like, as a director, last night I was thinking that when reading something and knowing it, but then reading it as a director is, you it's know, different. takes it and turns it around in different ways. Um, it does, absolutely, because we have to dissect the piece differently from just an audience understanding. Uh, but even back in when in my undergrad years, when I first was introduced to the piece of work, um, it was through the directorial lens because I was assisting um, a director during that time. Um, and then I've, uh, it continues to come into my world, into my orbit um, every now and then. So. Mm -hmm. There is, uh, and then Patrick, the same is that the same for you? Had you been interacting with this play before as an artist in different ways or yeah i um i was challenged to read the play when i was in in college too and during undergrad as a part of a, a script analysis class um and uh in the packaged version of the play it's actually packaged with uh dutchman and then another one of Baraki's the slave work, uh the slave right so they kind of go in a two-hander i um and you know what in college nobody gave it to me what isn't that crazy <laughs> huh Imagine that. <laughs> so, uh, so I have uh, I've got uh, your lead actors on the line. the The play primarily has two it has two characters, and then there are sort of witnesses to the characters. And um, there's also a, a sort of a beginning and a ending piece to it that was created. Uh, so there's a lot of places where we can get started. But I want to sort of give, uh, if you won't mind, I'm going to ask you, Erica, to sort of give like sort of a quick overview of of what the play that what the action in the play is. I don't. Wanna, I think we're going to be talking a lot about what the play is about, <laughs> but sort of what the premise that of the play is um, for the audience. So I think I'm understanding the question. I mean, just a general overview of Dutchman, and I, and I guess let's let's define this even more. My version, mm -hmm. uh, because we did add some additional pieces, mm -hmm. um, the movement pieces at the beginning. So in an overview of it, you know, and, and I like to just put it in a nutshell, like Dutchman is really about race relations in America mm -hmm. and it's a global scope. It's a looking at this in a global lens and then also looking at it in a finite lens. And it is a reflection piece and that's what we, 
you and I were speaking about earlier, that this piece is not here to, to teach us something. We already know the thing. Mm-hmm. This piece is here to reflect, to be a mirror up to society and forces us to to think and and talk about and sit with whether it is comfortable or is discomfort how we participate um, or or how we don't participate how we're complacent or compliant um, in the as I, the words that I like to use in the dance between um, what we deem whiteness or systemic um, issues and and blackness and black America. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, and again, there's so many different things, but part of seeing this show is, of course, you did start with a dance piece. Yes. Uh, with Project Alchemy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that piece, uh, the in a way, and I'm not sure if this was because of that piece, because the set works so well with that piece, with the starting off. It was sort of like, well, I kind of, I can kind of understand the background as skyscrapers and fences and, you know, all these many things or the side of a ship or ocean or loneliness. You know, I mean, the, the set, the set is amazing. The set is just, is stunning. The piece sort of, uh, sets a tone that, um, that when you when the show starts, you sort of almost uh, the audience almost sound, feels a sense of relief, like oh okay, here we go. They're just a, some couple people riding on a subway, you know, la la. And it's like oh no, that is not the case. Um, what did you want with that that dance piece? What were you seeking? Absolutely. So you know, we have to. For me, I'm always about talking about the thing, um, and the dance piece is the connective tissue from the African coastlines and dropping us into 1964 and the Middle Passage and the City of Bones. And let us not forget the ancestors that gave their lives, that lined the ocean floor, that literally is a map and a pathway from the coastlines to the American coastlines. Mm -hmm. And that's with that beginning piece is about, and it's about the awakening of those ancestral energies that still lie in the ocean as that, as the journey happens. Mm-hmm. And knowing that 12 million plus, um, Africans were, um, captured or sold into slavery and it took us about 40,000 or plus voyages to transport that many people, like just understanding the magnitude of that. Mm-hmm. And in a way, when you said sort of grief, into the ocean, it makes me think of we have these grooves in our brains where we just have patterns that are so hard for us to get out of because it's easier to keep traveling through and how difficult to sort of get out of that groove of back and forth of looking at even how modern America looks at the continent of Africa. And, you know, right now it's just sort of like we still, those grooves are still, uh, you know, uh, causing some of our behaviors, I think, somehow. We haven't escaped them completely. Oh yeah, because we have to continue to talk about them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, and and it's not even about escaping as much as it is about evolving, and it is about the conversations that lead to healing and the actions that lead to healing, so that we can just be a collective consciousness, mm-hmm. a collective oneness. And you know, I just want to jump in right there. What what uh, we had a really great uh, experience prior to the show opening of having three community conversations um, about the show and the themes. And one of the conversations was about some of the biblical themes in the show. And um, one of the facilitators, uh, Dr. Darrell Arpulli, really brought up this point um, about the repetition and the symbolism between Dutchman the slave ship 
and uh, the subway and the mm-hmm. train and how even in New York, sometimes the trains may not be reliable. They're always <laughs> running. Mm-hmm. And so in, in the vein, I know we'll probably get to it, in the vein of this repetition in the play, we know that the lesson has not been learned. Mm, so that's a wonderful point. Because it has been repeated, we are still working through that lesson. And maybe the lesson gets uh, clearer and clearer, but until we completely learn the lesson, then the class will be over and we will mm. move on to a new class. <laughs> I, like, I like the idea that that's possible that we can learn the lesson. Well, we're speaking with the creative, the creatives with Dutchman at American Stage. And I want to bring the two lead actors into the conversation. And thank you all for joining us because... One of the things, and it was kind of one of the first things I said to Erica and Patrick's, like what hard and difficult roles those must have been. And I, I feel like this is a really well acted show. Like it was, um, so, uh, if you all would talk a little bit about your characters, Shannon, I want to start with you. When you first met Lula, what, what did you think? And like, how, how are you finding your way into this character? So my first introduction to Dutchman was also in college. I think that seems to be the door for a lot of artists. And when I first read this piece, I wanted to separate myself as far away as possible from the character of Lula. And I, I am assuming that a lot of white people are going to want to do that, mm-hmm. um, which I think defeats the purpose, right? I think it defeats the purpose, which is to look at this play and hopefully walk away with a bit discomfort because you've looked a little bit in a mirror. So the second time going into this piece, I was hesitant. And on our first day of rehearsal, some big feelings came up for me and many other people. But Erica and Patrick both have really focused in this process on not just the poetry that Amiri has written, not just the poetic devices, but uh, the humanness, the, the qualities in Lula and in Clay that we can relate to that make it almost more heartbreaking and violent when we get to uh, the crux of the play, if that makes sense. It does. It does. I mean, I... and. When I was start, first started watching it, um, coming from a therapeutic background, I was just viewing her like this is a this is a domestic abuser. I mean, she's a, a predator and abuser and so toxic. Uh, but you're talking about something that she has qualities that are not that that she has other yeah. qualities also. Yeah, and I think that that is what is so um, scary for people when we look at abuse or we look at racism, uh, it's really not necessarily the huge and very public acts of violence that are so predatory, and they are not always coming from people that wear it on their sleeve. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the time, it's coming from people that have more attractive qualities um, that can be charming. Uh, it's easier to paint abuse and abusers as having to be uh, disgusting and vile, and it's simply not the case. Did that? Uh, did that sort of uh, switch, or that sort of? Did that give you more power? Did her being um, pretty and cute and flirty and bouncy and stylish? Did that give you more power in the character to uh, to be 
a monster, you know, to be uh-huh. who she was? Because that, I can yeah. see expanding that to a much bigger, you know, metaphor. Yeah. You know, I think um, as an actor, you cannot jump to the conclusion that the audience will jump to. I don't think Lula sees herself as abusive or violent. I think she sees herself as being in defense, as people often are seeing themselves when they commit such uh, atrocities, right? Right. But the the different tactics that she uses, um, I think those are in her nature. They do give you power as an actor to play, right? It would be really quick. The story would be even quicker (laughs) if she just went straight to, I want to destroy, I want to hurt, I want to disempower. Right. Um, The the charm is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No. All right, and then uh, Adabo, I'm so sorry. You got it, Adaboale. Adaboale, and then going to Clay, who sort of is on a, a almost a mirror trajectory uh, with uh, Lula. Will you talk a little bit because that his character seems even more complicated to play, and to have this um, like going forward and backward and forward and backward and, and that there's this sort of swiveling that he is constantly doing. Will you talk a little bit about figuring out how you and your directors and how within the play you found Clay? Yes. Um, so Clay, uh, he's a very, very interesting character to play. Character to play. Um, probably like the funnest part of crafting this character is just having having confidence and surety in that he, as well as like many black Americans, many black people who are now in America experiencing, you know, like what what it, what it is to be black in America, he has those same experiences. And then there's always the question of, okay, how can I, some people might use the word, kind of like a language, how can I cover up? How can I adjust? How can I code switch? How can I do these things, how can I become a community so I can fit in here or here so I can get what I want. That's been the funnest part because the speech at the very end, um, I mean, Baraka wrote it excellently. It sort of does, it sort of does the job like, like on its own. You know, I mean, obviously I've got to work on it continuously and keep on discovering new things, but it's all there. And, and uh, like what is contained in the speech is what is living in him, even at the top, but He's always trying to figure out ways to, like, you know, distract himself, you know, whether it be, like, poetry, um, social events, and, like, like, you know, social engineering, like, being in certain environments and, and, and being comfortable in your own skin and um, presenting yourself in a way that 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 you want people to, to, to accept all of those things, um, like, just many distractions. And then with Lula coming on, I mean, that's when the that's that's when the intrigue really, really heightens because, like, she's so like all over the place, like wild, flirty, good looking, but also she has she has like a, a curious nature that just draws draws Clay in like almost instantaneously. And then I figured that okay, well, if, if my attention is drawn so easily. Like, you know, this, this white woman on the subway in this time period, even though it's a dangerous, dangerous situation, I've got to look at, okay, like, like how, how has it been growing up with a black Republican mother, a father who was not so much like that? 
you know, like how, how's, how's, it, how's it been like finishing school and maybe having to take on a kind of a career that maybe like I didn't want to, but I felt like I had to go in this direction, whereas I'd prefer to do this. You know, like it, 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 like, it seems like um, it's always a thing. Like, I mean, a lot of black men that I've spoken to, it's always a thing where like they're trying to, like they're trying to distract from how they really feel, what they really want to say. Um. Yeah, and then and then I guess it's just uh, interesting to see like how each different kind of person will will go about um, covering up and code switching. Um, Amiri Baraka was uh, twenty eight when he wrote this, so not that much older or around the age of your character, uh, and was also splitting up with his wife. Um, so. In in having that lens and rereading the play last night and seeing it where there seems to be and this is this is for everyone but also for you there's this indictment I think of himself in it that there's this idea that he you know I mean he even makes fun of it I, I use this line or I told the, I told Erica this line already it's like you know even when they mention like names and they say his original birth name Everett he's like oh, I got that name you know <laughs> just like there's sort of rejection of who he is right at that moment not even who he was right. but who he is at that time and a rejection of all that how does that fold into the performances how does that like that personal part of the play fold into what everyone is seeing on stage. Yeah, I'm going to jump in on that one um, and talk about uh, Amiri and as we worked, or at least from my lens as the director, like understanding and seeing Amiri's his his own journey, his personal journey in writing this piece of work, right? You could see if you, when you just take the moment and step back and look at the work objectively, you see Amiri working through his own identity issues, which surface in clay, right? And and then understanding that the name we're talking about names and clay, the name that is given to the, the lead character being moldable, but Amiri at the time of his life divorcing his white wife and moving into black nationalism and then eventually divorcing his name Leroy Jones and moving in and taking the name later on in this process of Amiri Baraka um, and there was another iteration before but this is the one that we know of, we speak of today like really understanding that part of what's happening in the script, seeing him work through his own identity as a black man in America, um, and that surfacing through clay. Like you really, as working with the actor, for me, it was really about, I don't need you to go and act. I don't need you to act this. I need you to be him. I need you to go inside yourself. Being a black man in America, you're not far. You know, there, there isn't, there, there's not a, a distance or a moat or, you know, an ocean between you and Clay. There's serious similarities. You live in America. You know how to, you've experienced it. But it's so, at some points, he's so self-lacerating, you know? And that, I mean, I think that that's where my, you know, to, it seems to ask and this is part of why we love theater, to ask an actor also 
to lacerate, you know, to be in that place yeah. is, is just sort of, and we can see it on stage. Like you can see the result on stage, but getting there seems it's difficult, d- mm-hmm. very difficult. It is know? very difficult. Very difficult. That, but, but that's the job, right? Mm-hmm. As the actor and being a former actor um, myself, like, you know, what you're asking for when you take the the job, mm-hmm. you, you are to be vulnerable enough to allow the the character to come to life for you and in you, so that you can give that experience to the audience. And no, it is not easy. No, it is not easy. And that was one of the things at the beginning of the process. You know, no, it's not easy for Shannon to play Lula. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all holding up mirrors and reflecting as we move through this process. Yes, it's scary for her to step out on stage and portray this character, um, which the, which the audience has such a difficult and visceral response to. Also, the safety in it, and she had to be comfortable enough to go, I hope that the audience is smart enough to know that I am playing a character and this is not who I am mm. and don't take that out on me, the person. Right. And that's important. Right. It really is. And so I want to I want to go back and ask Adabawale, how, like, talk about playing Clay, after, especially after hearing Erica, like, how, how did you get to know him or, or to, to be him? How did you get to be that experience? Well, I think what Erica said is exactly right. No black, I mean, well, I speak for young black men. No young black man is so far away from what Clay's experiences are. There, there are like certain intricacies in his life that are not like my own. But even bridging that gap is it's part of the creative process and it's fun. But um, yeah, like overall, it's uh, it's like the the very last speech, like, like something that's relatable to all black people, I can imagine. So for me, I have to ask the, the question myself. I have to ask myself, okay, like, like how can I do this safely, but still be generous and giving in the moment, but understand that, okay, you got to do this six times a week for, for five weeks and it, it needs to grow and you need to, always be discovering new things and really just open yourself up to some people on stage with you as well as, well as, well as audience members. So, um, with that, honestly, like I, I've been reading more poetry, mm-hmm. reading more poetry, um, looking at, at, um, at, at Baraka doing his, his, uh, beat poetry and, uh, just like researching him more and more and more just to figure out the why just so I could continue to move forward safely, but, you know, like, uh, construct, construct, like, like a, a good performance and a clear performance. It's like, so I'm also, like, uh, getting across to audience members, regardless of race, because, like, like I want everybody in the audience to, to sort of ask themselves, you know, questions that maybe, um, maybe they wouldn't in the past, you know, sort of, um, become, like, more aware of things that maybe they don't deal with personally on a day-to-day basis. One of the, uh, as an audience member, and uh, I sat, turned out, just by coincidence, sat next to friends, and then 
another coincidence, my neighbor two doors down was there last night also. <laughs> and so she and I were talking afterwards, and, and it was funny, we had the same thing, like both of us wanted to protect you. Like, we wanted to go in there and protect Clay. Like that was the immediate response. It's like, oh no, <laughs> like that, this, you know, and I was, and she's uh, 25, 30 years younger than me, you know, so yeah. we're different generations. But that was the immediate response. It's like, oh, we need to help him. Like, we need to protect him from her. Um, and because it was hard as a white woman to watch, um, to watch, because there's always, you know, as a white woman, you know, we are very complicit with a lot of things. Uh, with a lot of things that have happened over the hundreds and hundreds of years, and not even just in America, like everywhere. But then we're always kind of like, well, how come white men aren't in these things? You know, like, are we, is it worse because we ought to be more sympathetic? But it was just, but that protective quality but was weird that it came out. I'd, I'd like to speak about that for a moment. And because, let's, let's reframe that a little bit. Like, you wanted to protect Clay, but remember in the talk back, I said, let's look at this. Let's look at Clay and Lula as ideologies, mm-hmm. right? And so the so now let's say I wanted to protect Black America. I wanted to figure mm-hmm. out how to right. help and protect and 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 wrap my arms around. And I think you know Amiri, as he was transitioning into and loved him as an artist because he kept asking the question. Even after he became Amiri Baraka, he is still searching for the how do we, how do we exist in this world, in this America that does not want us to exist here? Um, and so I appreciate that. So yeah, the thing, now the question is, yeah, how do I protect Clay? But if Clay is an ideology, if Clay is representing blackness or black America, then the question is, how do we protect black America mm-hmm. or, you know, blackness? And how do we respect that and bridge that and bring that into a world which was never created for them to begin? And get stuff out of people's way. I mean, yeah. that like move stuff. There's so many, so many things in their way, and so many harm, so much harm. Like, how do we uh, get rid of all the like the bad stuff that's out there? And I think that 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 there's a a sincere but not always well guided efforts to do that. So I love that framing because that framing does help because there is this like people want to do something, but often kind of misguided. And 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 and. <laughs> And I wouldn't say, for me, I wouldn't say misguided because, you know, we had a conversation last night about the things that could be done. There are many things that could be done. I think the fact that we have the moment, right, the hope, the desire to want to do something is great. I think that this, that this systemic situation is so huge, it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so what seems to be misguided, maybe people just trying to figure out where to start. <laughs> because we do, I mean, and, and both we have to start somewhere, right? It doesn't just just start. But um and then we find the path. But this brings us back to something you said earlier. I think you asked the question about why this play why now? And I think, and I've been saying that the community, that the world right now is craving conversation, real authentic conversation. There are people that are really into what do we create now? Where do we go from here? Um, and looking at our world right now and everything that has happened mm. in the last 30 days. <laughs> 
right? We are all trying to process a year, year. since the beginning, (laughs) you know. uh, Truly, we are all trying to process, but I most definitely think this pandemic forcing us to isolate and forcing us to the pandemic put up major mirrors for us mm-hmm. as humans on this planet. And we are now in a place where we've been isolating. We've been thinking about a lot of things. Now it's like, how do I process this out loud? And so we're craving that conversation. We're looking for these topics to talk about. So now you are the first black woman to direct at American Stage. Correct. So there was, in talking just about the entry point. So your entry points, you know, I mean, there's, no matter what, there's pressure, internal pressure, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the external pressure was, but I would imagine that there would be some sort of just awareness like, okay, great. Thanks, world, for putting this on my shoulder. <laughs> but, but so the entry points, knowing that you have this way of sort of starting something, how did that did it, and if it did, how did it affect? How being sort of the first, a first, <laughs> in that directing thing, bolder? Did you want to be more cautious? Did you have to force yourself to be bolder? Did you have to force yourself to be more cautious? Did you have to just force yourself to shut up and stop thinking about boldness and caution and just do your path? Like, how, mm-hmm. I mean, what yeah. did you do there? First, I built my team. Mm-hmm. That's important. Uh, you have to, going into something, um, being the first, and just as a woman, period, and then as a woman of color, um, like team building is important for me. So I have Patrick as my associate um, director who made sure that I was always safe, the room was always safe, anything I needed. Alex Jones, who was a choreographer um, and and um, is the founder of Project Alchemy, is a friend of mine, you know, I brought into the space because I knew that it would be a safe space, first and foremost. And then my design team, there were, and even in the in the casting, there were some of my former students when I was a teacher, uh, some actors in the show, uh, on the creative team, um, the light designer and the scenic painter. Like, I brought in people that I knew were safe for me. And then the next thing is, you know, I don't get to make choices about being safe. I can only do. And as an artist and as Erica, the artist, um, I, I feel like I have created this reput- uh, reputation with my work that it is always somewhere bold and daring. And I think that's how I love to move through the world as a human, as an artist. Um, and but the pressures around it, yes, you know, being the first does and 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 it goes going back to the things that we're talking about here, these systemic situations and this thing that um, we need to continue to deconstruct. I couldn't afford to mess up. There, there is no mess up. There, there is because a, if you messed up. Then I mess up for all the other women of color and black women behind me. Right, right. 
And that pressure and that in on its own is enough pressure to make anybody want to stay even in the if, bed. Even if whoever keeps saying to you, oh, no, that's not true. That's not true. It's true. It's true. It is true. true. You know? It's true. <laughs> and that's it. That's like, like let's, let's call a spade <laughs> right. a spade. It's, it's true. Because <laughs> we get to go, oh, she did that well. Okay. Well, we've done that. Right. And now we can move on. So, and, but then, so you do have a reputation. I've uh, seen other, I've seen your work. Oh, thank you. Um, and so, but I, I, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a good reputation. I was excited to have you on. Uh, you. And though it seems that uh, to take it and again to have the to to bring in this movement and the and grounding of the show right at the beginning and then at the end, you know, to also have this other ending with you know when the and I don't know what you guys call it, but I called it the grieving process. Like when I'll the grieving it. process mm-hmm. is happening and stuff, and no one is behaving the way that you expect them to behave, and that was what I was just like, oh, you know, oh, <laughs> I see what you're doing there. I mean, I don't know if I saw what you're doing there, but it was so interesting because that's what this whole play had the um, expectations being denied or expectations being. Um, altered, you know, like you would expect people to be a certain way and they aren't. And that starts right at the second in when you walk in and you see the set and then it goes all the way to the absolute last minute that there's a, a expectate, pe- there are expectations created and then like, ha 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 ha, flink, you know, sorry <laughs> <laughs> that baby. Um, so, so that was that a, a di- directorial um, like a personal, I don't want to say mandate for yourself, but was that something that, that those tensions were something that, that you as a team, all four of you as a team, that there's these expectations that an audience is going to have. <laughs> and then you, you, I don't know, I would say, look at your face, you kind of relished <laughs> blowing them off, like ha ha ha. You know, you know I have, uh, so Tyrese uh, Pope is one of the, the ensemble members and the young man in the show. Um, and he said to them earlier, and I taught Tyrese, I uh, trained him um, as an artist, and he said early, very early, I think first day of rehearsal, he was like, yeah, I never know what she's going to create. I just kind of, you never know. You just don't know. You just trust it, and you just go with the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what it is for me. Like, I, I am about working with my actors and my team and honestly mining what it is we're creating. Of course I have ideas and of course I can see the end goal in my head. Like, oh, we can do it this way and that's done. But what kind of fun is that if everybody's not participating? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of fun? Like Patrick um, started asking me questions about the music and I was like, yo, just... Go ahead and source it. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the music in the show is, is from Patrick's world, but, but Patrick <laughs> sitting and talking with me and understanding where we're coming from and what the show needed and what we were saying, you know, that's the gift he brought. To, that's one of the gifts he brought to the table. So, yeah, that we did like this together. The most fun job of anything it was making it, music. It was really important. So, you know, we, we think about art in lots of different ways, but a lot of people forget how important sound design is and the, and the auditory experience. Mm-hmm. And so I also want to shout out Tyrese because he was one of the sound design associates. So some of the, yes. uh, specifically um, the second, the closing, the grieving experience, mm-hmm. what we call the sunken place, mm-hmm. that, um, that sound composition was completely 
actually um, created by him. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's even better. And so that was a really cool collaboration between uh, Erica and, uh, and Alex in choreography and Tyrese to kind of get the final version of that audio, mm-hmm. which was really great. Um, but I really sat with Erica and I said, you know, if we're going to take them on this journey, let's start. So just like you referenced, when you came in, it, it did seem like it's going to be light and fun. And then as soon as the curtain speech is over, we shift. Right. You know, you hear that Nina Simone song to give you just a little inkling. I wish I knew what it would feel like to be mm-hmm. free. And then we go right into it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I had, uh, I think we did this show in college uh, at Eckerd, an undergraduate. I didn't. I mean, I, I think I was probably like a, t- a prop person <laughs> since <laughs> I have zero stage talent. Uh, but we had done it. And I remember at a time you have this. Uh, you know, this school, small school with students from all over the world, like a very international show. And the, um, and when we did it, the, the actor that played Clay was actually from Africa. And he had grown up in Africa and just come to college. And it was a, it was an unusual casting, but in a way, maybe not the casting that was necessarily right for the show even though he was a good actor nothing against his acting but that he had only been living the American experience for yeah. a year he had no experience so. right. had no, he didn't understand what Clay was going through and that was a question that I asked as a young man I yeah. think he understood the young man part right. of it right but and and this and Back in, I you know finished grad school not too long ago, and being with a lot of international students. And, Me too. Congratulations! Yay! Congratulations! <laughs> um, and being around and hanging out with a lot of international students and watching them trying to process what this thing is in America. They was like, "What is going on with like white people and black people in America?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing." And then throw in the you know the Latinos and right. the Asians and woo right. and the and, natives. And, <laughs> yeah, and so it's a whole thing here on this on this uh, on this ground. Um, and so he does. And that was one of the questions that I asked Wale um, at the beginning um, about his experience here in like. In America, because um, while they correct me if I am wrong, but your family is from Nigeria. Yeah, we're from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Correct, and thank you. And so I did. You know, I was like, so how long were you born and raised here in America? What is your experience like here as a black man in America? Mm-hmm. So that, and I had to know that so that I knew where to start from in the process of building and and mining and shaping clay. Right. Yeah. I am so sorry, but we are so close to being out of time. <laughs> and this kills me because I do want to make sure I get in everyone's what's next. And I'm going to start with uh, Shannon and, and Wale about, do you have anything coming up that you want to promote to the audience? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. It, you caught me by surprise. I did. I'm sorry. You didn't get that memo. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, so a production for a nonprofit arts education company called Spot that I work for is moving its 10-minute play festival called What Makes Me Tick to the Tank in New York City this fall, which um, is a great house for uh, producing and putting up and connecting artists, um, underground theater, guerrilla theater, and, uh, yeah, that, that'll be in September or possibly at the beginning of October. Well, great. I'll look for that and, um, yeah. and post it. Wale, do you have anything coming up you want to mention? First thing, uh, I'm working with a good friend of mine, Joshua C. Thomas. 
um, he he has a company in Baltimore where he turns Shakespeare into a pretty much hip hop opera. It's it's amazing. So um, he's he's doing a reading for I believe it's his Much Ado, either that or I think Caesar. He's doing a reading for that in Philadelphia, uh, either in August or sometime early in the fall. So that'll be really exciting. I'm going to help him help him out with that. And other than that, I'm entering my third year of grad school at Columbia University. So uh, we don't know what shows we're going to be doing yet, but I'm sure <laughs> they will be great. It will be excellent. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I hope you can find your way back down here too, because it was, it was uh, for both of you. It was really good to watch you do your work. It was, it was great. Um, Erica and Patrick, American Stage coming up for you guys coming up. You want? I'll go, and then you can do American Stage. Okay, cool. So for me, the next thing is I'm directing The Color Purple at Stageworks, <laughs> and that will open September 9th. That was wonderful, Mr. Patrick. Um, independently, I I am remounting my podcast, The Black Hand Side, uh, starting in August. Uh, Black wherever. hand side? Yeah, the black hand side. Okay. Like, give me five on the black hand side. <laughs> okay. Uh, wherever podcasts are available. And then for American Stage, uh, our next event's coming up. Uh, obviously, Dutchman is running through the 31st. Uh, we have a reading series with Creative Pinellas called First Mondays uh, happening this coming Monday on the 11th and the next first Monday in August. And, of course, we are celebrating our 45th season coming up. This is America with our season opener, Green Day's American Idiot. Uh in our main stage space. So the last musical that we did um, was Fun Home a few years ago. So we hope you'll check us out. Oh, good. And Fun Home was great. Well, thank you all so much for coming in. Again, uh, Dutchman is at American Stage through the 31st of this month. And then uh, you can go online to americanstage.org and it's right there on the front page and get more information. Uh, American Stage is located right there in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg. The performances are Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7, Fridays and Saturdays at 8 and then there's Saturday and Sunday matinees at 2. Thank you all so much for coming in. I want to play uh, for you audience. We have an editorial a great editorial from our board and we'll be right back uh, to uh, let you know some other stuff going on. The following is an editorial statement from the Nathan B. Stubblefield Foundation Board of Directors. WMNF supports a woman's right to have access to safe and legal abortion. The recent Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade strips women of their full citizenship and the fundamental right to bodily autonomy. A large majority of Americans support Roe v. Wade and the underlying right to privacy. For the Supreme Court to ignore over a half century of legal precedent and defy the will of the American people is devastating to our democracy and to the millions of women and families who will be directly impacted by this radical ruling. Here in Florida, a bill banning abortions after only 15 weeks and making no exception in cases of incest or rape will go into effect on July 1st. We share the fear, heartache, and anger many of you feel right now, but this is the time to turn that anger into action. We encourage our listeners to get involved, to register and vote in every upcoming election, and to support the organizations working to protect the family planning and privacy rights of every United States citizen. To join with those organizations, go to WMNF.org forward slash row R-O-E. And you've been listening to WMNF Tampa. Please stay tuned for the NPR News.